0: Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. Welcome to this episode with the very wonderful Kalindi Jordan. Kalindi is a group facilitator and therapist who works in the field of intimacy coaching, sexual healing, and conscious relationships. And Kalindi, we cover a lot of really fascinating topics. Kalindi talks about why our sexual ancestry is relevant, uh, or maybe relevant to your sexuality and relationships today, what de-armoring is, it's been a sort of a buzzword the last few years, and Kalindy shares what it is, why it's important for awakening your sexual energy, and also some really practical ways you can explore de-armoring on your own, um, and also with partners. And she shares why self-pleasure is a practice of self-worth, of saying yes to yourself, how you can start a self-pleasuring practice or expand an existing one. She talks about the difference between sex and heart energy, why you might distrust your sexual energy and how you can start to heal that and why and how to listen to the wisdom of your body and more. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to today's episode and I'm really delighted to be joined today by Kalindi Jordan. Welcome Kalindi.
1: Oh thank
0: you Sarah, it's such a pleasure to be here with you. Oh thank you so much for your time to, I'm um, giving your time up to be here and really looking forward to our conversation. So I'd love you to start with sharing a bit about what you do. Well,
1: um, so for the last, so for the last 14 years I've been focusing on working in the arena of sexual healing and under the umbrella really of sexual healing um, I've just met so many different aspects of the realm of sexuality. I work mostly with women but I do also work with men but I work with couples and under the, under the umbrella of sexual healing It comes down to women experiencing maybe pain during sexual intimacy, not experiencing orgasms, finding it hard to find um, loving, committed relationships. It could be down to working with trauma, working with, yeah, so working with body confidence, body issues, emotional strength, self-confidence, And then also working with couples around um, having a really vital connected sexual experience together and also a conscious relationship, being able to navigate all the challenges that arise within relationship and all the emotions and all the different needs that are met. So it's been a really rich journey (laughs) working with so many different aspects of sexuality.
0: Yeah. Mm, wow and um, there is I could ask you a million questions already <laughs> about <laughs> all different areas that we could dive into and you know I love that you position it under the umbrella of sexual healing because mm. that sort of feels quite unique to what else is out there.
1: Yes because I i, I actually started with this um, it was actually my partner he was he said to me when we first met he said Gosh, you experience so much pleasure in your body. He said, You're like, you're just the way it moves in you and the way your sensuality works. He said, it's so exquisite. And he said, you know, not, not that many women have that sort of capacity. And I was sort of like, really? And then he was, I actually did a I did a business training where I pitched my course, which was like a multi-orgasmic training how to become multi-orgasmic and there was 30 women in the room and they all went no no and I was like what do you mean no and they said to me they said we all just want to have one orgasm Mm. you know we just want to have regular one orgasm regularly And, and that was really in a way my journey into my journey was around really wanting to help people find pleasure and what I've found in my journey is what's got in the way of pleasure
0: mm.
1: and what's come into people's systems and meeting that so that they then can receive themselves. So that's, yeah,
0: yeah really important. And, and were you always that way around pleasure? Is that, was that always your norm?
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it was actually. I was, I've been very blessed in that sense where, um, as a child, was very sensitive I actually remember sitting up trees and uh, talking to the wind and really enjoying the wind on my skin. And so was all, I've always been very sensual and very explorative. Um, so for me, I think it's been quite a natural exploration around sensuality and sexuality. And, but within that, it led to a deep curiosity of how other people work and I'm I sort of always I remember trying to give it to people as a child I really wanted them to have it as well and so I guess it came from this sort of childhood very simplistic view of okay, how can I sort of give this yummy feeling to someone else <laughs> and of course it doesn't quite work like that but wow um, and were you
0: do you feel that was down to your family was the sort of the environment of your family that encouraged sensuality or was it just something that was naturally in you or both
1: not particularly because my family when I was younger lovely as they all are we were not actually incredibly tactile family um but I spent a lot of time in nature Mm. and so I I think my natural um I guess the nature-nurture piece of my lifestyle was very much outside. Mm. And so I was very blessed to have that experience of a lot of quietness and, and a lot of just sitting on the earth and you know exploring nature. And I, I think that helped me, allowed me to just stay in, in that uh, connection
0: basically. Mm, yeah, yeah, beautiful. And how did you then sort of transition into this work? So I,
1: as a teenager, I was very, very curious. And so I, um, I was very privileged, actually, because I used to be very good. Well, I still am very good at holding people's secrets. So as a teenager, people would tell me their secrets. And of course, at the age of 13, I didn't know any sexual answers to anything, but I was very good at listening and being really curious. And so I actually think that was the beginning. I was told a lot of things by a lot of friends and a lot of people around me. And I, I, I assume people felt safe also somehow in that curiosity and that uh, non-judgmental space where was just fascinating. And that took me into, I ended up living in a community for four and a half years, and in this community, it was very much a focus of uh moving moving sexual energy from the lustful states. So it was very much an esoteric journey, an inner journey of meditation and moving sexual energy, working with relational um, qualities with the other, and very much going into the devotional body of going into. The devotion to life, using sexual energy as a way to connect more deeply with myself and with others, not just not necessarily in the sex, the act of sex, but using sexual energy to connect with the heart, and mm. so that was, that really was the foundation and is the foundation of what I do today. is is my own
0: journey really? Mm. Thank you for yeah. sharing and. Mm. So, when you um i'd love to hear a bit about actually how you work because you know you're not somebody who sits and has just conversations (laughs) yeah i'd love to hear a little bit about yeah the way you work
1: so when i'm when i'm working with somebody um there is always an element of talking it's sort of like we activate the story as it were we activate um the beginning of the habits. so the way that i feel is that we start we start from when we're born really because i feel like our sexual journey is starts from the way we mimic our caregivers so the way we mimic the environment around us how our caregivers have related to each other whether they're there whether they're not there so it's that our, our sexual habits are created first by our environment as children and so we start to look at that really and so what I do with people is start to map how where they are now and how that was created Mm. because of course we can then come into our teenage years and that starts to step into a more maybe more sexually active expression at least of something exploration so I will map through so it's like we start to map a timeline really and by doing that I start to because I work with embodiment I start to watch watch how the nervous system has been created because the nervous system is foundational really to how we respond sexually because we need to feel incredibly safe the wildness of sexual energy to move through our nervous system to to allow our mind to be set free and our mind to just dissolve and allow sexual energy to just run wild through all the beauty of our nervous system and so what i do is start to watch how people's nervous systems have been created actually mm-hmm. by their thoughts by their emotions by their physical habits and that will then help me map what, is, what might I instruct people to do at home to start rewire that. And then also I will come into, if I'm seeing somebody in person, I will come into working with the body using the medium of breath, but also using the medium of pressure points, working with, working with the understanding, which I think is more and more becoming available to us, which is um, in the fact that we store, we store memory in our bodies. We store emotional memory, we store energetic memory, we we have pain, we store pain. And so sometimes I can just find the right point in someone's, on someone's body and something unwinds. Mm. Something's allowed, given permission to let go, to be felt. Sometimes that'll come up for somebody in a visual way, emotional, very somatic way through the body. And so there's this sort of dialogue through the story and through the body. And then what I often find is when people then step back into their sexual lating, they feel freer. They can feel more movement. They feel less disassociated. They feel more connected to their body so that's a sort of summary at least
0: (laughs) (laughs) the tip of the iceberg (laughs) tip of it yes (laughs) and that's where you call yourself the touch alchemist in the bio yeah yeah so I know that you offer workshops around um what the title sexual ancestry so is this what you're meaning in terms of the ancestry or does it go back further is it something else so what I've Found so
1: in, in my years of working working with people, I, I found that there's different there's, there's different arenas that we need to attend to when we're looking at something that's come into that's affecting our sexual potency and vitality and the freedom that we're all looking for in our relationships with ourselves and with others, and and so the the arenas that I feel that there are is addressing our ment the mental what's coming through the mind how we think, what are our belief structures? Uh, the other is the emotional body. What's going on in our emotions? What are we allowing to, to run? Um, our physical patterning, so our habits. Has anybody crossed our boundaries? What have we allowed happen to us? What, what have we repeated? So our the physical experience. Then, of course, there's the nature nurture, which I talked about, is that sort of external conditioning. Then we've got our cultural conditioning so what we're told is that we're all so many different cultures in the world have different structures around relationships and sexuality and then we always need to attend to what our survival structures are and then of course for those who may may believe in this um the karmic the line of our karmic system um and then we have our ancestral system which is um Basically, how memory is carried through our bloodline. And so there, and again, there's so many more studies around how water, for example, carries memory. And there's lots of studies around when you you can sing different words into water, and it when you look under a microscope, it looks different and it's responding differently. So, my understanding is that our body's very much the same, you know, we're made of you know we have our dna we have all the structures in our body we have the fluids of our body which are made from our parents systems and our grandparents and as it goes back and in that memory holds all the different incidents all of the different happenings okay maybe in a homeopathic perspective our blood carries all that kind of memory of what the relationships and the habits and the traumas that have gone through the lineage um, and so when I work with when I work with people I try to come at come at an issue or something that's going on all these different avenues and often sometimes I come round to the ancestral piece and we start to look at this line, and of course we're gonna, of course this is stepping into the mystery. So people can maybe talk possibly about their parents and maybe even their grandparents, but we still very unlikely to know what our parents and grandparents' actual sexual life is like. We may have a sort of feeling, whether they were affectionate or not, or violent or not, or, you know, we have a sense. But beyond that is all a bit of a mystery really. And so part of it is allowing ourselves to drop into that mystery in the body. The body actually has the answers. So myself, okay, I might say I work with sexual healing, but I, I'm not the one doing the healing. We're just listening to the body enough until we can understand what the body's saying. So I actually believe that the body has all the wisdom it needs to heal itself. And so through the depth of listening and sort of opening that doorway of questioning the ancestry and this can be done through sort of constellation work inner constellation work it could just be dropping in through the body with that intention so for example i i remember working with somebody that had very chronic thrush and they were doing all the right things all the different things that you would do for thrush but they kept coming back and it was very very chronic and i said let's let's step into that let's see what your body wants to say about it so we created a trance-like state and so we started to walk into that and interestingly um A memory came up for this person and it was just a flickering memory of a woman traveling on a boat from England to America. And on this boat, she she actually got uh, raped by three sailors. And this woman didn't tell anybody. It was a secret that she held. This was sort of what was coming up in this woman's system. And she was crying and there was a lot of emotion and she felt like she was really witnessing something very shocking and very powerful, very moving. And within it, there was a guidance around the need for that energy to be witnessed, the need for that incident to be witnessed. And what I found really exciting about this was that two weeks later, the thrush went away
0: Wow.
1: It just went away. And I said to the woman, did you ask your, did you ask your family, if there anybody, you know, if that was, they'd heard of this story. And actually they asked their mother and their mother said, oh, actually your great-grandmother went, traveled on her own, on a boat from England to America. And so of course, we stepped into the mystery. We don't know, who knows? But there was something about attending to where does energy need to be, oh, why does it need to be positioned? Where does it need to be left? Where does it actually originate? And so there's something about attending to the mystery of uh, the systemic influence that's coming down our family lines
0: wow it sounds like it's almost like because my partner does past life regression and his first experience was he had this neck problem and when he did a past life regression it just cleared up yeah as he attended to the the memory that was whatever that was the mystery as you say yeah very similar very similar
1: and again it's that mystery isn't it it's like you know whether whether that's a karmic memory or whether it's an ancestral memory in some ways what it's really doing is attending that we're holding an energy in our system that wasn't created in this moment in this lifetime in this arena and so there's something about placing it where it where it needs to be placed, oh, and something about witnessing it acknowledging there's something also about about this this the sacrifice I think in the generations of the, what they people have sacrificed within relationships because I think a lot of the, our history has been about survival and not so much about pleasure needing to marry, marry for security and not necessarily marrying for love and then the hardship of needing to actually survive in different eras in history mm. and so pleasure is on some level and in some cultures quite a new permission in a way and so we are meeting that we're meeting that systemic memory that pleasure was always very low
0: yeah on um on the scale so fascinating and for those listening who might be thinking this is going like woo woo (laughs) it might be you know trauma the more that's been understood about trauma i think it's 14 generations they the study's been done that trauma is carried in the system through epigenetics the study of epigenetics and it's like yeah it's like wow yeah (laughs) wow and so um i love that you're um you're attending to this yes (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) and that's the thing it's like you know I, i grew up in a family of scientists so and you know i'm the one that's sort of gone into the esoteric leaning but i also I have a deep value for the scientific. And that's that's where I love the studies that are coming out around the sort of around the trauma influence and how it comes through the system, how it gets passed on by nature nurture, you know, how trauma gets passed along culturally, how cultural trauma gets passed along. So, like you say, there can be a leaning into the mystery, but actually the studies are really starting to mirror that understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful,
0: Mm -hmm. Um, and you've used the word energy and sexual energy, so I'd love to start with, what's your definition of that? So
1: for me, sexual energy is, I mean, for me, I actually feel that everything's, and again, also scientifically, everything's made of energy. I always have this analogy that we've got, you know, we have ice, water, and steam, it's matter vibrating at different frequencies. And so everything's made of a different energy vibrating at a different frequency. And, you know, there's the sort of wood, air, steel, you know, they're all different qualities moving. And so with our bodies, if we think of the same thing, we've got our flesh and our bones, and but we've also got an emotional core and we've also got our mental system. And they're all movements of energy they're all there we experience them they're just vibrating at different densities and so sexual energy for me is when the foundational energy of life is moving through our sexual anatomy when it actually stimulates the nervous system in this in our sexual anatomy which then moves up through the nerves, up through the spine and and triggers a response for the brain. So the brain and the sexual energy are having a conversation. Mm. And so for me, I always equate sexual energy as an amplifier because it amplifies our sensations in our body. I don't know, hopefully most people can notice that when we feel aroused from the pelvis, our sense of when we're touched on our skin heightens our alertness heightens our heart rate heightens so everything starts to amplify our emotions can become amplified as well so it's like it amplifies our capacity to to focus it amplifies our capacity to meet life and meet another so
0: i guess that's what i'm talking about when i talk about sexual energy Mm. and I know you work with de-armoring, so I'd love mm-hmm. to share what de-armoring is for you and yes. you know, why that's important with our sexual healing and our sexual energy.
1: Yeah, so do, I think, in a way, de-armoring is quite a sort of new word mm-hmm. coming into the realm of sexuality. Um, and from my point of view, I, I actually think we get lots of different forms of armoring. It's like I was saying, the different arenas that, that I feel we need to attend to around sexual healing is, so for example, we can get armoring in, the, in our uh, mind and the way that we think. So we, armoring can become a pattern, a defensive thought process that defends us from thinking, di- thinking in a different way that would then invite us to be uh, receive love receive connection and so for example an armoring might be uh, so for me believing that because I've lost my hair I'm no longer beautiful it's like that can become an armoring that's within my system which then would stop me allowing to receive allowing myself to receive the love that my partner has for me and that my partner looks at me as I'm totally beautiful. But if I keep thinking I'm no longer beautiful, there's a there's a sort of layer that comes into my system, and so that goes on in the emotional body as well, um, and again in the physical body. So we have patterns. So again, it depends on where our sexual journey what has happened in our sexual journey so if somebody's stepped over our boundaries and um, whether that be in childhood teenage adulthood in many different ways the body will defend itself it will find a way in which it will protect itself so again there's different in the world in the female world there's different things like that come up like vaginismus, which is where the vaginal opening closes and tightens. And so it's a form of armoring where the body's decided to make itself safe by closing the capacity for something to enter. So, and of course we have other systems in the body where our breath will go short and tight and we've become adrenalized. So it's almost like we try to pull away from originally harmful experiences or experiences that are traumatizing, but also not, you know, trauma has many levels. There's different levels of trauma that can arise, but a lot of people can actually just have destabilizing experiences. When we feel vulnerable and we're not sure and we say yes, but we're not sure if we mean yes. And, you know, and so what happens to the body is it tries to protect ourselves from things that have transgressed our own boundaries or somebody else. And that might be mental, emotional, physical. Mm. And so the body will respond to that. And so the de-armoring is where we come in, where there's some uh, maturity in the system or there's some self-care, self-respect, and there's some potency where we know we're not, as much as we possibly can, not going to put ourselves in any vulnerable position. And there's a growth in the way that we can support ourselves. Of course, there's times when when that's really hard. Um, And we actually when we meet the body it's about approaching the body with what it really needed which was presence Mm -hmm. attentiveness love and just for me I actually find dearmoring very very subtle Mm -hmm. and it's very much listening and giving it a softness and a tenderness in which it the body starts to to relax its system and open and unfold. And of course, there's one experience when it's in in the therapeutic setting. But also what I like to teach people is how to do it in their relationship setting and how to do it with themselves, Mm. how to, to find that presence, that holding, the breath, the safety, how to create safety within your own system and so that's really what de-armoring means mm. is that we need to, from the inside out to create safety so that the body no longer needs the armor to protect mm. from something that's happened generally from the
0: outside i hope that um, makes sense <laughs> yeah, so i'd love you to though illuminate and bring it to life more by could you give an example of what that might look like for somebody at home doing that for themselves or somebody yes. in a partnership
1: yeah sure so um I mean I'm a real I mean I'm a real advocate for self-pleasure I, I actually I totally feel we are our primary lover before anybody else is our lover Exploring our own bodies is, is primary. Yeah. Um, and so part of that is coming into noticing where where might I feel restriction? How, how when I come into intimate, when, when we come into intimacy with another, first thing is how am I breathing? What's your breath doing? Mm. So there's checking in with, uh, am I not breathing? Am I tightening my breathing? Am I restricting? Is there pain somewhere in the body? And so first of all, it's it's noticing your habits and behaviours when you're with somebody else. Do you rush it, something? Do you try and make it end? Do you feel pain somewhere? Then you take the exploration into your own self, which, for example, for a woman is is definitely coming into relationship with the pelvis, with the vagina, with the internal landscape of the vagina. And actually, one of the things I highly advocate is um, a massage wand. Mm. And I know there's a lot more information out there from many people teaching the use of a massage wand. So for example, it might look like if somebody's working with they feel pain or they're numb or there's tightness or there's no orgasms flowing, is to very slowly work on in the internal realm and finding the points that kind of draw you in. There might be a point inside the internal canal where there's a sort of feeling of tightness or numbness The pain and you just start to drop into it very gentle pressure and dropping into it it can be done with fingertips but that and then and this also can be on the outside as well can be within the hips around the sit bones around the anus can be in the hip joints it can be around the womb it's about Uh, self-massage but very slowly pushing into pressure points pushing towards the discomfort and pain not making it hurt but it's about breathing into it and feeling what is there what does it want to show you being open open to listen to our body is talking to us Mm -hmm. it's talking to us and all we actually really need to do is listen and move towards it. So coming into um, self touch and self holding can be very powerful. And of course, it's the same for man, it's like going in around, around the dentalia, round into the perineum, holding pressure points, using tennis balls, sitting on a tennis ball, really putting some pressure into the perineum and relaxing down into that and just breathing. And releasing tension in the pelvic floor
0: so it's just a few ideas yeah. <laughs> and it's that time with your body you know because as i say to, to women i work with we, we just often touch this area of our bodies for either sexual agenda medical reasons hygiene reasons and actually just to be with your pelvis in that way the power of that and the listening and yeah the healing that can come from self touch self massage is phenomenal so thank you for 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 bringing that in and um as a possibility and also that you can do that with a partner as well absolutely your partner can do the same thing
1: I actually highly recommend it with partnership because you know I have so many people coming to me saying oh I just I just every time we make love I just cry and I think we have to remember that you know, making love is also a form of de You know, when we feel safe with someone or when we feel loved or cherished and maybe haven't had that for a long time or there's something, we've just built up a lot of tension in the system. The right alchemy and the right points and the right moment in time creates a really beautiful emotional release. And I think when partners can realise that there is sexual healing to be, created within the field of relationship and that yes sometimes our sexual play together becomes more therapeutic and that we end up holding each other's vulnerability and giving space for that as well as all the play for fun times and explorative times I, I think it needs to be invited into the arena, the arena of relationship is yeah. the realm for
0: sexual healing for sure. Yeah I totally agree and it's like a whole piece missing in the collective that it's even possible. Yes yes so, so often you speak to people about it and they're like really what how does that look like <laughs> yes <laughs> often they'll be doing it in some way they just don't label it that you know like yes we're like, just the, that cuddle and being in the vulnerability together so yeah just finding yeah. that range of what we how we can meet each other
1: yeah it's really highly important because we all have vulnerabilities around the way we are in our bodies and our express the way we express ourselves you know am i doing it well am i doing it wrong am i receiving enough am i good enough and our worth but also like our inability to deeply receive there's a lot of that it's our vulnerability to ask for what we want you know just the need for emotional release even and all of those things this i always think the arena of relationship has such a wonderful potentiality yeah for us to love the whole realm of ourselves when that container feels safe and secure and cared for
0: yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely and I'd love you to speak I'd love to go on to relationships, but it's like oh which way to go <laughs> <laughs> it's so exciting there's so many things <laughs> I know <laughs> it's like I'm starting to feel like i could do these conversations for like an hour and a half easily you know, <laughs> two hours. um so in terms of self-pleasure you talked about that sort of importance of self-pleasure for anybody listening sort of um because again, we, we don't have any reference points for self-pleasure other than sort of going for a goal. Um, so I'd love you to share what that might look like and how you might work with women to expand the possibility there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I feel a really key thing around self-pleasure is the whole body. It's about the whole body. Like, our body has full of amazing nerve endings it has such a oh, I mean oh our skin you know like uh, it has such a capacity for pleasure and to limit that to just uh, you know just our vagina or our breasts it it's it seems like such a waste <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I always invite people to come into a journey where actually you're 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 working you're touching the whole body, and so it's very much I mean it may start with the it may start with the head the hair the ears you know it's just that coming into a very uh, light a very conscious present touch. And for some of us, it takes a bit of time to come into that presence because we've been busy. The mind its the mind's trying to get us to do something else or I haven't got time for that. And so there's something here on many levels where we're when we make time, we're saying yes to ourselves. We're prioritizing ourselves. We're, there's something really important about saying yes to ourselves. So. I actually think that self-pleasure has many layers to it. It's not just about the pleasure. It's about saying to yourself, I'm worth it. I'm worth it just because I'm here. And this body is in such service to the consciousness that's moving it. It's in such service. The amount of things we put into our bodies and make it do and stay up late and (laughs) all these things. And so why would I not take some time just to be in service to it back? To bring it softness, to bring it ecstasy. And so self-pleasure looks like, may look like just stroking my arms, for example. And stroking them until I'm so fully in my arm and so fully in the hand touching it. So you are the lover and the beloved. So you are the toucher and the touched. but it, So you can come into self-pleasure with your feet, your legs, your belly, the whole of your body, your chest, your breast, your face. And you start to build up a kind of momentum. You start to move up and down the body including the whole body including the vagina including the buttocks the anus the breasts every single part of the body like like a wave-like motion and with circles waves but it also is not just with your hands it can be very much around laying like a like a beautiful you can get these amazingly soft rugs or silken sheets or just some material that feels amazing and you just move your body just lying on the bed just moving your body on something that just feels amazing and within that is activating that container of the zing in your body then you awaken the sexual energy because then it'll tingle all the way through to your fingertips so the your ears to your toes, you start to build a container that can hold pleasure. You start to lift off what I call a pleasure limit. Mm. It's like a lid, we have a pleasure limit. And so you start to invite it. So we're taking, for me, self-pleasure is taking away from just the genital, genital focused stimulation to a whole body stimulation and then activating the sexual energy into it.
0: And what would you share to somebody who's listening who maybe can do that, but maybe feels they're not experiencing much in other places or maybe gets a bit bored with that because it's very different to what they're used to?
1: Mm. So when that, when that's happening, then I it would be sort of like a blend, really. So it would come down to doing starting with what you usually do so for some people for maybe women for example it may be using a toy or some kind of there's that it starts with a, a sort of urge to release like oh it's like an itch oh, i just feel a bit horny or sexual i'm gonna sort of activate i'm gonna play and so you start with that start with where you are start with what you're used to but then within it you extend it instead of just going down. So, if you're somebody that just does a sort of quick release and sort of feel that orgasm and you're like, oh, I just want to release and just move it, keep adding, add another five minutes, then add 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. Like, add the spreading, like, spread it up from your pelvis, touch your belly, touch your chest, touch the rest of your body, even just for five minutes before you take it to an ending, where you would normally go. And each time you do just increase the spreading it around the body. And so you just build up to the capacity to be able to then really just touch the whole body. And it is a process where you can then start to activate sexual energy. And that is the beginning of a multi-orgasmic capacity. So it's so worth it. (laughs) absolutely
0: (laughs) absolutely I sort of liken it to sort of being in the gym it's like you start at this amount and then you build up a little bit and yeah you know you surprise yourself wow I'm here now and
1: yeah and then uh, you're
0: like I don't want to do less than an hour of (laughs) yeah you know enjoying one's body yeah yeah but I love that just the the, um, the adding so I just as you were speaking there it's just sort of thrown back to the beginning of the conversation where you spoke about moving the lust energy to the heart. I'd love you to share more about that.
1: Mm, Yeah, so... There's lots. There's so many things (laughs) to say about this. Um, For me, it's been very much... I, I very much fall into that place where, as I was saying about the primary lover, so... I feel that our sexual energy is pr- predominantly here for me it's for my pleasure it's my core energy it's my power it's it's the, my instinct it's my creative energy that's what it is i feel that that's what it is and it has a particular flavor and in my journey i was like i, I want to make love with that flavor i want to feel it like i want to know the exquisite nature of it and so for me the sexual energy and the way that my with the way that our heart energy moves is a different they have different natures and so when we pay attention to the way that our heart loves and moves it's this i idea or really it's an it's a somatic experience really is that when you start to work your sexual energy up through your belly so you do this through different sort of uh, pelvic exercises, sort of exercises movements activation through self-pleasure you start to pull it up towards the heart and you start to pull it up towards the chest and you allow your Uh, chest to expand but also you allow your heart energy to really focus on what it wants to focus on could be yourself it could be a beloved it could be nature it could be and you start to weave a dance between your sexual energy and your heart so it's very much an alchemy inside the body the process of it is probably too much to go into now but it it does start with activating the sexual energy through self-pleasure And so it's a dialogue really between the two.
0: Yeah. And just bringing in that for people listening who may not have um, that connection, Yes, so bring that connection in as a possibility.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Because what I find actually when I work with women is a lot of women come and say, I feel disconnected. I just feel disconnected. They, they can maybe feel, they feel their heart and they've got a good lot of, energy in their heart and their compassion for the world but they don't quite feel their sexual energy and this is this is where i will start is this connection between the root and the heart mm-hmm. and this starts on a physical level and then that goes into an emotional level it's, it's a, often it's because we've come into some distrust of our sexual nature Depending on what's happened, it's either got us in trouble, we've we've followed it and we've done things and we, we sort of regret or again, people stepped over boundaries or it hasn't really worked or we you know there's many different reasons why we reject our sexual energy. Mm. And so what we're doing is allowing um, ourselves to reach down and connect and reconcile some. It's like reconciling some disagreement. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with women's, with, for, for women listening, um, what do you have as like favourite practices that you um, suggest women explore on a regular basis? Maybe you could share one or two. So um, I have a practice actually, which I call the Vital
1: Core. And this is... Um, Working with the understanding of the three reservoir systems, the Dantian systems in Taoism, which is the root, the pelvis, the energetic space of the heart and the mind. And what I find about this practice is that when we fill the reservoir of our pelvis, we come into relationship, basically, by felt sense, by feeling, coming into what emotions are there, what stories are there, coming into relationship. We link that with our heart what we're feeling in our emotional body but also link that with our intellect and our mind. What I feel that does is it combines these three different teams Mm. because often our mind makes us believe that we are that the mind acts as if it's the sort of team leader in a way or that it's the boss or it's the most important part of our system but actually it is part of a team it's has an equal position to our emotional body, our physical body, our instinct, all the systems. And so what this does is it creates a a steady internal holding that we can lean into when we feel nervous, when we feel wobbled, overwhelmed, off-centered, when we're needing our inner strength to make decisions when we want to walk into a space in our essence, in our softness, but in also in our power, I believe all that starts with going inwards. And mm. so this practice, I, women have reported to me that brings a sort of stabilisation, a self-holding, shall we call it? Mm. So that's, that's something.
0: Um, and I can, I can give you a link to share Yes, yeah, I feel you've given me one yes you have oh, I you. have yeah so put that in the show notes so you can yeah enjoy that practice thank you yeah because it's it might be
1: too long to express it now in its full detail yep. um, but just giving you a taste of that mm. and then of course for anyone's self-pleasure mm. explore your body explore what what works for you and also your exploring your body because where am I maybe feeling numbness where where can you not feel where do you approach and then you just find yourself distracted or disassociating it's like because I feel our body's in such service to our experience that I'd love to encourage us to listen to every aspect of our body come into relationship with it it really will give us the information we need especially around relationship connection and pleasure
0: Mm.
1: and so yeah self-exploration of your body is highly
0: suggested (laughs) (laughs) recommended absolutely absolutely Thank you. Well, I'd love to. We didn't even dive into couples because there was such richness about what you shared. So I would love you to come back. I would love to come back. (laughs) And we can have a whole episode devoted just to diving into your wisdom and experience around relating and conscious relating and couples if you're up for that. Yes, I would love to do that. Absolutely. (laughs) So I'd love to just ask, is there any final wisdom that you'd like to share from our conversation? Mm take time to listen mm.
1: take time to listen to yourself and to the wisdom of your body to the wisdom of your heart and your mind it's it's communicating with you we get so distracted by the outside and we miss all the wisdom that's in here you you are you know yourself the most out of, you are you are your primary lover mm. So take time to listen to that relationship with yourself.
0: Mm, Beautiful. And as this is a Sexy Life podcast, I would love to ask what does living a sexy life mean to you? Oh, gosh. So living a sexy life,
1: it's the being for me, it's the being in the embodied experience that life is making love with me that everything is making love. So for me, when I walk down the street, when I listen to the birds, when I listen to the cars, when I listen to everything, for me, it's about this vital exchange. And so me, for me, that's, that's what's sexy. That's what's sensual. That's what's vital. It's like, for me, making love is so much fun. And so for me, I'm making love with everything with everything I do everything I say every interaction I want it to feel like I'm making love
0: mm.
1: so yeah that's my
0: sexy life dream <laughs> <laughs> fantastic thank you and where can people find you online and is there anything you've got up and coming that you'd like to share about
1: so my website is kalindijordan.com and I have a Coming up in October with my partner, Pete, we are running a couple's tantra program online. So that's working with couples who want to explore conscious relationship using the medium of tantra and coming into playfulness around sexuality and communication through that medium of tantra and consciousness. And also in March next year, I run a uh, retreat for women called Sensual Mastery. Which is a week long embodiment practices around our sexual energy, movement of sexual energy, and some of the things I've talked about
0: today around activating our sexual energy. Beautiful. So and that's all on your website? It's all on my website. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your presence and your generosity and your aliveness and vitality and juiciness and all that you've brought today. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you for inviting
0: me, Sarah. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast with me, Sarah Rose Bright. I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy. And I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sarahrosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running. Wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.